Hello, good evening. Thank God for another podcast, service, sermon, whatever you like to call it. Glory be to God. It's been a great week. Continues to bless us in the midst of all that we do wrong against him. You know, his faithfulness is amazing. So, you know, just count your blessings in everything that you do. I love you all. I'm so glad to bring to you all part six of our series. Just kidding. Just kidding. Just kidding. No, no more series. Series is done. We're going into something new now. We're going into something new. This is actually going to end up being a, 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 a mini two-part series of the book of Jonah. Jonah 1 and Jonah 2. Today we are covering Jonah 1. Jonah 1, Jonah 1, Jonah 1. And I want to get right into it. The title of this one. The title of this one is called The Hope to Escape. The Hope to Escape. So Jonah... Jonah is given this call by God to go to Nineveh. He's given this call by God to go to Nineveh. And God says in Jonah 1 verse 2, Get up and go to the great city of Nineveh. Announce my judgment against it, because I have seen how wicked its people are. That's where we start off. Let's pray. Lord God, I just want to thank you for this other opportunity right now as we come before you, O Lord God, as a family. I pray that you purify me as the speaker, O Lord God. Purify me of any of my unrighteous, wicked ways. Lord God, I pray that you bless every ear that listens, every heart that this reaches, O God. And may they be touched and touched in a magnificent way. I speak life over them. I speak life over myself. I speak life over the service, O Lord God, Jesus, that it may flow off my lips through you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So verse 2, get up and go to the great city of Nineveh. Announce my judgment against it because I have seen how wicked its people are. So let's put some context on this town of Nineveh. Nineveh has a population of about 120,000. It's a big city. A big, 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 big city. Um, about three days to walk through. The Bible contextualizes it as a wicked city. A city worthy of destruction. There's this king named King Sardanapalus. I'm just going to call him King S. And he was a great criminal. A great, great criminal. The book of Nahum calls Nineveh a, a, a city of bloodshed. And it's under control by the Assyrian Empire. The Assyrians are some ruthless people. Nineveh, in a case, might be similar to what we call a Sodom. A terrible, terrible city. Yet God wants one of his vessels to go preach of who he is in this great city of destruction. God wants his word to be preached in a city worthy of failure, fire, and fault. You see, because maybe grace wasn't only when, when Jesus came physically on earth, but maybe the word was in the beginning, which means grace was in the beginning, and God's grace was shining on us all along. Because listen, this grace... Not yet, not yet in human form. Went all over Jonah and said, go and save this city. Maybe because it's, because God doesn't see this city worthy of destruction, but worthy of deliverance. Maybe we are like Nineveh. But God overlooked the pain in Nineveh 
with the purpose of Nazareth. Maybe we are worthy of gore, but through a grace, we are worthy. Through a grace, we are more than conquerors. Through a grace, we have been been given a great favor. Through a grace, we have been forgiven. But you only see the word Nineveh. Only way Nineveh could be saved is by hearing the word of God. Why? Because faith cometh by hearing the word of God. Not seeing the, 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 the destruction around you, but realizing the deliverer within you. See, the one way Nineveh could be uplifted and delivered from the troubles was if they were delivered by the word of God. That raises a side question. What are you choosing to hear? What are you choosing to hear? See, maybe the joy you don't possess right now is not based off what you don't have, but what you refuse to hear. Maybe our ears are not in tune. Maybe our obedience is not in tune. And we continue to conform to our own ways and not being transformed by his. Anyways, back to Jonah because he's our focus here. So the way the word was going to be delivered was through Jonah. Now who was Jonah, you may ask? Jonah was from Gath Heifer, a place that would later be called Galilee. His name means dove, which symbolizes peace. So God tells Jonah to get up and go. Get up and go. What is God telling you to get up and go do right now? What is God telling you to get up and go do right now? And look where God tells him to go. Nineveh. A place no one wants to go. God says, yo, next stop is a place that no one desires to be. God says, next stop is a job place. That everyone talks down upon, but that's where I'm sending you. Next up is a place that looks like that looks like it has nothing to do with me. Next up is a place that you're not gonna like. It happens when you feel pressed to go to the wrong place or go to the place that we think is wrong. What happens is that the next place God wants to send us is one of dangerous territory. It's one of dangerous history. And right here, we usually think it's Satan pushing us to these places. But what if God is saying, maybe you're the light in the darkness. Maybe God is saying, I want you to be the difference in that place that only sinners feast. Maybe God right now is saying, get up and go. Get up and go. Proclaim who I am in that place of distress and make a difference. Go, Jonah, go. And Jonah got up. I'll give him that credit. Jonah got up. But verse 3 emphasizes something great. Look what verse 3 says. 
says, but Jonah got up and went in the opposite direction to get away from the Lord. He went the opposite way. He went the opposite way. To do what? Get away from the Lord. Why? A couple reasons. Because he forgets his worth. He forgets who to trust. He forgot who he was and whose he was. He didn't believe he could live up to the battle at hand. He didn't think the God in him was bigger than the battle around him. And a lot of times when we think God has told us foolishness, or God is doing something great in our life that we don't approve of, because it's in an area that we don't like to be improved, we run away. See, because Jonah limited himself by what he thought he couldn't do. God, you want to use me to spread a message of mercy and grace to these sinful people? God, you want to use me in this dangerous territory? See, that's what he probably thought. But you see, God doesn't really go based off your thought, but based off his truth. And his truth says you are a great handiwork created anew in Christ Jesus to do the works he planned for you long ago. I mean, from birth, you were ordained to do something great. You were purposed to do something great. You see, once we know that, that, that his plans are not to prosper, but to, is not to harm us, but to prosper us, then we can know firmly that whenever and wherever God tells me to go, then I'll go. Because he has me wrapped. Because he is my strength. And if he sees that he wants to use me to deliver his word in a certain place, then I will be dependent on his grace and mercy to carry me through. You see, we rather go the wrong way based on our limitations and go the right way based on our Lord. See, Jonah limited himself. Right now, God is calling out a lot of us, including myself, to certain places. And we're letting what we think as limitations drive us. We're letting our limitations drive us. The Bible said he ran the wrong way. He ran the opposite way in fear instead of running the right way with faith. Because, you know, that's easier. Easier to go back to McDonald's when God is trying to introduce you to broccoli because you don't think you're ready for it yet. Just kidding, just kidding, just kidding. And as verse 3 went on, Lord, strengthen me. As verse 3 went on, the word says, He went down to the port of Joppa, where he found a ship leaving for Tarshish. He went down to the port of Joppa. He went down. Why down? Yes, he might have traveled south. He could have traveled south. But you see, anytime we run from God, down is where we go. You know, what's funny, some historians say Nineveh was only 500 miles walk from where David was. And the place he was going to was over a thousand. Well, you see, 
He chose to take the longer, more dangerous route than to take the shorter, easier route. You see, because with God, it doesn't seem like it's easy at first, but he knows it's easier. That's why he leads you that way. It might seem hard to you, but it seems hard to you. Imagine how easy it is to God. Imagine how God works through that. Maybe God is saying right now, all that stress you're feeling, you have chosen to go the wrong way. All this stress you feel is the result of you not listening. All of this is because you chose to take the longer route against me than the easy route with me. And Jonah escaped. Jonah escaped. And sometimes, escaping feels so much easier. Sometimes we choose to run to what we know is wrong. Sometimes we choose to go back to a place God never called us to, or even to a place God pulled us from. Because escape seems so much easier. You know, we might think that escaping and running, that escaping and running is better. And it's so much easier to seek refuge in the things of this world than in God. And that's our human side. Let me show you why it's not better. Because the word says he found a ship leaving to Tarshish. He found a ship leaving to Tarshish. He found. He found. Since he found it, means he was searching for it. Because you see, every time we try to escape and run from God, we always have to search. We always got to search for a way out. We got to search for a way to flee. Search for a way to get out. And we search and we search because he doesn't know where he is. He doesn't know where he is. He knows what he's looking for, but he doesn't know where he is. He's looking for refuge, but he's looking for refuge in the wrong place. So he has to search for a ship to go to the place that he wants to go to. Jonah doesn't know where he is and he's searching. And look, since he found, that means he had to ask someone if this is the ship. That means he had to ask someone for guidance, which means he was searching for guidance. See, the reason we are lost right now is because we are searching for guidance in the wrong place to lead us to the wrong place. Because we'd rather get guidance from others to lead us to the wrong place than lean on our, than lean on our guider to bring us to the, his desired place. But people, you got to know that with our God, we don't got to search. Because you see what Jonah is doing is searching for peace and comfort in a place other than Christ. And a lot of times we find ourselves here. Searching for things that only the glorious riches of Christ could provide. And when we follow God and walk according to his purpose, we don't got to search for things because we know that our God supplies all of our needs according to the glorious riches in Christ Jesus. And you see, everyone forgets that part. 
the glorious riches in Christ Jesus. What are the glorious riches, you ask? We're talking about peace. Not the peace the world gives, John 14, 27. But the gift of peace of heart and mind that I give that lasts forever, Jesus says. Talking about the riches of peace, the riches of love. The riches of patience, the riches of faith, and the riches of power. And the riches of power. To know that I have all I need. I don't know what God is going to do in my Nineveh. But I do know is that all things work together for those who love the Lord. But look, David is here escaping to Tarshish. When I looked up the meaning of the word Tarshish, it means examination. So he's escaping to a place of examination to seek a new life. Literally, examination is the meaning. So with this thing called examination, he's going to have to see, he's going to have to see what fits him and examine. This is so beautiful. So we rather escape to a place of examination by ourselves than endeavor to the place of elevation with God. And sometimes our place of greatest elevation is in the place in the job, in the marriage that we least want to be in. And I'm sure this whole time Satan was telling Jonah, run, Jonah, run. Escape here. Escape here. I know a lot of us right now escaping to things of this world to try to find escape. That's all temporary. Christ is, Christ is saying, if you can realize that my presence is eternal and every day, then you can have rest. And it could be well with your soul 24-7. I'm sure this whole time Satan was speaking to Jonah. Run. And she's telling you right now, run from the place God wants you to be. Run. Just keep running. Don't go back. There's don't hope. You just can't preach in Nineveh, man. You're not worth it. You just can't restore the marriage. So run. You see, you could choose to run with two things. You could choose to run from your destination with misery or run to it with a mission. You could either choose to run from your destination with misery or run to it with a mission. The Bible said he bought a ticket and went on board, hoping to escape the Lord by sailing away. Now let's look at the ticket symbolism. Excuse me here while I drink some water. Ah, refreshing water. Thank God for that. Your boy got to stay hydrated. I'm sorry. But anyway, the Bible says he bought a ticket, went on board, hoping to escape the Lord by sailing to Tarshish. Now let's look at the ticket symbolism. It's a thing he bought to escape, to go to a place he knew he wasn't supposed to. But due to his lack of worthiness towards himself, he does it anyway. See, the ticket symbolizes that things that, that, that lead to escape because we don't think we're worthy enough. What are you buying? 
What are you buying? Said he bought the ticket. When you feel like you're too unworthy and nothing is going right, and you feel like God has called you to done foolishness, you're trying to run away. What do you buy? What do you buy in order to replace God? And it's not literally buying, but what do you feed yourself into? What do you consume yourself with to feed God, to replace God? Why? Because, you see, Jonah was looking for the right thing in the wrong place, which made his priorities shifted. See, the verse says he was hoping to escape from the Lord. The hope to escape. A lot of us right now feel like we have a hope to escape this virus. A hope to escape this police brutality. He was hoping to escape from the Lord. A lot of us are hoping to escape from something. And in this case, Jonah is hoping to escape from something good to go into something bad. From something internal to go into something permanently. Be careful what you hope for. You see, because Jonah's hope perspective was, un- was shifted because he believed God's decision was crazy. His hope was now in the ship and not in his savior. His hope was now, his hope was now in, in, in the men to lead him instead of his master to lead him. You know, he saw his freedom in the sailing instead of serving. And maybe our priorities are shifted right now, God is saying. And we need to get our hope back. Maybe we need to remind ourselves that, okay, we need to remind ourselves that, okay, Corona might seem like our Nineveh. Police brutality might seem like our Nineveh. But I am strong enough to defeat it once we could come together as brothers and sisters. See, maybe if we stop running from God and start relaxing in God, we don't got to put our hope in an escape, but in our everlasting Father. Stop running, God is saying. Hold on swervingly to the hope that you profess. And look, it's so beautiful. Because Jonah's getting on a ship that doesn't even know which way it's going. Jonah's getting on a ship going based off of untrustworthy men instead of an always faithful, perfect, trustworthy father. Have we ever done that before? Confide in man's answer to us instead of God answers for us? Have we ever done that before? Lean not on your own understanding. And if you haven't, then you're one of a kind. Because we all have. Right now, Jonah's on a ship and he doesn't even know if it's going to where it says it's going. It could say Tarshish, but, and it could end up in Tarzan. He said they're going to Tarshish. When he starts rolling those jungles with Tarzan, it's a problem. You see, because when your hope is in something else to bring you to a destination, when it doesn't bring you to the place that you thought it was going to bring you to, 
when the thing that, that you escaped to thought you, you thought it was going to bring you complete peace doesn't bring you complete peace but a but a, a, a momentary satisfaction or a couple of days satisfaction then you get down again but you see when you confide in Jesus Christ to know that his rest is permanent and eternal living within you at all times you could confide in him knowing that he is my rock and my salvation my lord is my strong tower he is my he is my god why do i fear he is with me in all things and he will never fail me lord help us confide in that help us confide in the truth of your word You see, but you don't know that. But you see, even if you don't know how you're going to get there, you know you, you know that you serve a God that will guarantee to get you where you need to be. You know that you serve a God that will provide whatever you may ask according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. You may supply all your needs. You see, you don't you have to worry if the sailors are are sailing the ship the right way, but you don't have to worry if God is going the right way. For my God is ever powerful, ever faithful, never changing. And he only plans to prosper and not to harm. You don't have to worry if God is going the right way, for you have placed your hope and faith in a God who promised to lead and guide you every step of the way. So we no longer have to run, but we can stand brave. And when God tells us to stand in a great city of destruction, when God tells us to stand in a a great pain in our life, when God tells us to stand in a great temptation in our life, we can withstand in corona. We can withstand in police brutality. Come together as one. Spread the light of Christ. And we may be whole again. See, the question arises, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? You're going to escape or elevate? Because you see, Jonathan Tarshish was liberty. But you see, the place we run to will never fulfill us like God will. God right now is saying, just give me a chance to fulfill you. I know you might not always have the feeling to come to me, but just come to me and see that my strength, my power is made whole in your weakness. See, God needs our weakness so he can be. God needs our weakness so he can prove himself within our life. And yes, he is almighty God and he could take us right out of it. But what would that do? That would make us go right back to the things we were hostage with before but you see when he takes you through something and makes you feel something makes you feel a loss of something then you could appreciate what you have i can even relate from experience because a lot of times i mean to go on the word instead i go to social media or, or look for shoes or play xbox which never fills me until the word of god fills me See, buying shoes doesn't give me peace. And I'm not saying don't buy shoes because I love shoes. I'm just remember to say, who remember this. Who is the one that completes you? Who is the one that makes you whole? Which blood is it that purifies you? And look at verse 4. 
says, But the Lord hurled a powerful wind over the sea, causing a violent storm that threatened to break the ship apart. Why? Why would God do the storm, man? Why would God provide the storm in Jonah's life? Because you see, every time you try to run from God, no matter how many times you try to run from him, you will know it. You will know it. You will know when you're running from God. Because he's going to send something your way to remind you of who you are and whose you are. Bible says the storm threatened to break the ship apart. Maybe some of your ship right now are being threatened to break apart. It's God saying, yo, remember who I am. It's God saying, remember who I am. For if I'm creator of land, I'm also creator of sea. And if I'm creator of sea, that means I control the storms in your life. The storms don't control you. And you see, this storm could have been avoided if, avoided if Jonah just listened. What if most of the storms in life isn't caused by evils that hate, but by our ears that won't hear? What if you caused your storm? What if the storm in your life right now is caused because you refuse to listen? I love how verse 4 started because it said, but. But. It said, but Jonah got up. But the, but the Lord hurled a powerful wind over the sea. But. What does this mean? Jonah was... Planning a run from devastation. But God had already planned a return to deliverance. In the form of what? A storm. A storm so big that it threatened to kill all the people. All of us are going through the same storm right now. This virus is rattling all of us. But God is saying, "Uh uh-uh. I have to send you through this storm so you could realize who you are and who I am. I have to send you through this storm for a reason. And look at it. Look at verse 5. I'm going to show you why he sent Jonah through this storm. And what I, what I, what I meant by what I just said. But look at verse 5. It said, fearing for their lives. The desperate sailors shouted to their gods for help, and they threw the cargo overboard to lighten the ship. What is God saying here? Jonah's disobedience, Jonah's mistake, led to the sailors' misery. I know y'all can relate. And someone else's mistake was the cause of your storm in your life. You ask God why. Why you do this? Why does that person have to mistake that person's mistake have to be the cause of the storm in my life right now? And God reminded me through a devotion that I was doing. And God's grace is not only for the saved but for the lost. All of us were lost, but we are found by the grace of God. 
So his grace is for all of us. Look, let me show you something. Their God couldn't stop the storm when they prayed out to him or her. And they tried so many ways to ease the storm. This is a sailor's perspective. Perspective. A lot of us are the sailors in life right now. Trying so many ways to ease the storm without calling on the one true God. A lot of us right now are trying to ease the storm. By ourselves. In so many separate different ways. But you see, Jonah's disobedience Hold on, I'm not there yet. Let me show you something. Let me show you something. Verse 5 continues to say, All this time Jonah was sound asleep in the hold. During this whole storm, Jonah was asleep. Look, you see, they couldn't rest in the storm, but Jonah could. And it's funny how Jonah served a God of today, yesterday, and tomorrow, while they only served a God of one type of occupation. But we know that we serve a true and living God. So the sailors couldn't rest in the storm, but Jonah could. Because, you see, they didn't know Jehovah, so they couldn't rest. But Jonah, even though he fleed, God never fleed from him. Because we serve an ever faithful God who doesn't care about your mistakes because he has a greater mercy. Or let me rephrase that. He cares about your mistakes, but he doesn't take your mistakes and use it against you. He takes your mistakes and grows you. See, no matter how much we run, no matter how much the storm we get into, we could rest when everyone else is bickering. Because deep down somewhere, deep down somewhere, there's a restful Holy Spirit that keeps us calm. As for the sailors, we think just like them. Going to the wrong thing for refuge. Going to the wrong God for refuge. Jonah and the sailors did the same thing. They They both sought escape in the wrong ways. And as for the soldiers, they're going the wrong way, trying all these things. And in verse 14, I'm jumping down, it says, Then they cried out to the Lord, Jonah's God. O Lord, they pleaded, don't make us die for this man's sin, and don't hold us responsible for his death. O Lord, you have sent this storm upon him for your own good reasons. They didn't realize it was for their good reasons too. For they had just called upon the Lord. And my word says that anyone who calls upon the Lord shall be saved. What am I trying to say here? That Jonah's disobedience in his Savior led to the sailors' disgruntledness in the storm, which led to their deliverance into salvation. What am I trying to say here? That God's mercy is bigger than your mistakes. A lot of us right now, I want you to remember that you serve a God who is good to take care of mistakes and turn it for good. Mm-hmm. Right now, a lot of us are dying, man. 
We're on the verge. We can't do it anymore. We can't pay off this bill no more. We can't do that no more. We can't do this no more. We're running all over the place. God is saying, yo, choose me. Choose me. And look how the sailors got to recognize Jonah. Through gambling. Through a sin. We see, because God works and endures your sin. Took it to the cross. So that anytime you could gamble in life. You could be reminded that you have a grace in life. And that your grace is better than any gamble than you could ever do. What am I saying? God could turn what is meant for bad and turn it for good just by his grace. As you hear me speak today, I love to share this verse. In 1 Corinthians, I believe it is. What you see here is not me, but it's God's power working through. And it's faith and his favor among myself. And his favor is granted. Proverbs, Proverbs 34, verse 8, I believe, or somewhere in that in that area. I know there's an eight in the verse. Excuse me. So much Bible verses in my head. It says that those who find me and receive me finds life. And the favor of the Lord upon them. Anyway, that was just a brief sailor's perspective. We're back to Jonah as we close out. So Jonah sleeping in the storm, chilling. Yet before they even threw lots, before they even asked who Jonah is, they said, get up and pray to your God. Maybe he will pay attention to us and spare our lives. You see, because they saw Jonah as different before they can even know who he was. Just by him what? Resting in a storm. You know, they told him, he told them in the beginning that they were running, he was running from the Lord. But that probably never had any effect in their lives. Because you see, when everything is rolling smoothly, when the Lord's name is mentioned, we overlook him. Just when we're going through a storm that we call upon him. Man, if God was like, man, I would say, excuse you. Coming to me when you need me only. Let me tell you something. Why can they recognize him just by him resting in the storm? One of my youth mentors, my, my, my teammates, my youth teammate, my youth leadership teammate, Christy, told me this. Jonah simply didn't fit in. Their God didn't work, so they had to try his. You see, you see, the people who don't know God, God is going to awaken them through your problems. Because he's going to allow them to see that if you could arrest in your problems, that maybe their God is more superior than what you're, than what they're going through. Maybe their God offers a rest in the middle of every pain that what they're escaping to doesn't. Because you see, people, no matter the place you run to, no matter what you say or where you go, they're going to notice the difference. And don't take that as a bad thing. 
That's what's beautiful about being children of God. We are peculiar. We are unique. We are not normal. We are his masterpiece. We are the salt in an unflavored word. We are the light in the darkness. And no matter how much you try to shift, let me tell you, that light of Christ, there will always be a little flicker within you. Why? Because Jesus is the light of the world. And you see, once you accept him, him that light is, will never go dim. It will always shine one way, shape, or form. So shine your light. And once you accept him, all that he is, you are. So now look. I just want to thank God for the beginning of the sermon. I felt so lethargic and tired. And now I feel energized and, and pumped up. And like I keep preaching to y'all, man. But look. Remember reasons Jonah could have left and run away from God. He forgot who he, his worth. Forgot who he was. Forgot who we trusted in, and now he's in an intense storm. But I want to show you the beauty of God. Because you see, God brought on a storm of intensity so that Jonah could be reminded of the strength of his identity. God brought on a storm of intensity so that Jonah could be reminded of the strength of his identity. Let me show you how. Because when they started asking, Who are you, Jonah? What is your line of work, Jonah? What country are you from? What nationality are you from? Jonah in verse 9 proudly answered, I am a Hebrew and I worship the Lord, the God of heaven who made the sea and the land. You see, sometimes we just have to declare when people wonder who we are since we're resting in a storm and since we have so much hope in a storm and people wonder who we are, we could proudly get up. And sometimes in the morning when we wake up and the enemy tries to get in our thoughts right away, we could look at ourselves in the mirror and say, I am a child of God. I am a friend of the risen Savior. I am a resident of the Holy Spirit. And I serve a God who is God not only of land, but of sea. Which means he is God of every situation over my life. You see, because maybe you're not growing, going through the storm to be rejected, but to be reminded. Come on, people, it's now. It's in the storm. It's in the storm of Corona. It's in the storm of, of, of the police brutality going on. When we need to remind ourselves that I am a child of God. And He is my refuge and strength. He is my present help. Taste and see how the Lord is good. And look, Jonah says who he is, who he worships, and who his God is. Anytime you feel down, make sure you tell yourself who you are, who you worship, and who your God is. Who you are. Who you worship and who your God is. Who you are, who you worship and who your God is. Who you are, who you worship and who your God is. He didn't say Lord of land and sea by accident. He didn't say Lord of land and sea by accident. Because you see him saying land and sea. It allowed him and them to know that if God made the sea, that means he can control any storm. If God made the sea, that means he could control any storm over your life. Because you see, since he's the source of the storm, that means the storm cannot control the source, but the source is in control of the storm. And when God says stop, the storm has to stop. And look, when Jonah is saying all this, he's in the midst of the storm still. And everything is shaken. 
And everything is ready to be torn apart. But in the midst of the tearing apart, Jonah is awakened to who he is. Maybe God is saying, I don't want you to know who I am after the storm, but in the midst of the storm. I want you to remember that you are a child of God. I want you to see self-worth. Because you see, we could be living a such great life of Christ, but because we're so blinded to him moving within us, and because we're so blinded to his blessings in our life, and because we're so blinding to who we are through him, then we're constantly trying to nitpick our mistakes instead of seeing the good that we've done. Taste and see that the Lord is good. And since the Lord is good and He lives within you, you have been made whole and the works you are doing is good as long as you're being a representative of Jesus Christ in everything you do. And that doesn't mean you won't fall short, but you ask God for repentance. You reflect on your life and you keep it moving. And thank you, Lord, that you have someone to come to when you mess up to reflect and move forward. You see, you can remind the people in your life and remind the storms in your life. Do you know who I am? Do you know who my God is? And do you know of the God that I worship? His name is Jesus Christ. And he's a risen Savior. And he's in the world today. And he walks with me and he talks with me. It's a way maker, a miracle worker, a promise keeper. And look what happens after Jonah is reminded of who he is. Verse 12. Jonah says, throw me into the sea. After Jonah is reminded of who he is, he gains guidance on what to do. Here you can just imagine him doing this out of such guilt and shame. Throw me into the sea and the storm will calm, he says. Throw me in. Give up on me. Give up on me. And the sailors had to make the decisions if they're going to give up on Jonah or stay in the storm. A quick sailor perspective. What is on your boat that is causing your storm that you have to give up? What social media is on your boat that is causing your storm that you have to give up? What, 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 what people are on your boat that's causing your storm that you have to give up? What ways that is on your boat that is causing your storm that you have to throw off? They might seem all goody two-shoes at first. Jonah was a good man, a child of God. But it takes great recognition to realize that you're the blame and to move on. Jonah said, throw me into the sea and you will be calm. Throw me in. The sailors begged the Lord, don't be responsible. Don't let us be responsible for this man's death. Because they saw throwing him over as death. But Jonah too, we're going to see how throwing him over was not death, but deliverance. This week I wanted to show you Jonah without the whale. Jonah before the whale. The moral of the story is we actually might get less than 50 minutes for the first time in history. Jonah forgot who he was. God gave him him an assignment and he ran. He, He ran away and escaped or tried to. A lot of us right now are trying to escape, but God won't let us. Because he loves us. And his grace and his mercy is sufficient enough. And you see, our disobedience, our unawareness of our worth has led us into the storm. 
Our loneliness has led us into this storm. But God's grace is so powerful that he not only reminds us of who we are through our mistakes, but reassures others of his strength and power through our storms. Saying, I understand all of you guys have weakness. But if you could come to me and worship with your weakness, I will show you how my power is made perfect in your weakness. Because my grace is all you need. I loved how Jonah was resting in the storm, but the sailors weren't. A lot of us right now are in the sailors' position. Rest this word upon my heart, Lord. In which we are not aware or don't have the rest and peace of God within to not think that the storm is more creator, is more, is more powerful and greater than the creator of the sea. God is saying, if you could just come find rest in me. I know you're tired. I know you're weak. Come to me, all who are heavy laden, heavy burdened. In a week, and I will give you rest. Matthew 11. You know, God's love for you is so strong that he offers you rest in everyday battles. But you've got to awaken yourself to him. And awaken him within you by accepting him. You know, his power is so strong. His mercy is so strong that he said, you know what? I'm going to take my people's sins. Endure it. So they won't take it to the cross, nail it there. So by my wounds, they are healed, not by their wounds. They are broken, but by my wounds, they are healed. Rise again so I could give them an advocate, a reminder, a Holy Spirit, a representative of me to live within them. Within each one of them, but you just have to awaken yourself. God is saying right now, come to me for rest. Too long you've been in the storm. Too long you've been running away. Try something new. Try something new. If you feel that that, that tempting feeling coming on, come to me and worship. If you feel that worry coming on, come to me and worship. I will set you free. But you have to have patience. Because I'm not just going to take you out of it right away. I'm going to take you through it. So you can see that my grace and and my power is almighty. Right now you think your situation and and your feelings have more control over you than I do. But no. I have more control than they ever will. So come to me. And I offer you forgiveness. I offer you a new creation, but you just have to let me in. That's what salvation is, people. Giving God an opportunity to come into your heart and transform you. And you come as you are, not worrying about your past, but knowing that he will, he, he will polish you no matter how broken you are. He will fix you up no matter how broken you are. He will run with you no matter how broken you are. Why? Because he wants a relationship. He wants to walk with you daily in his word. So if anybody is willing to gain the salvation, the salvation is not only peace here on earth while we go through this it's when his glorious return comes again. Our name could be written upon crowns. And we could walk the streets of gold in eternal peace and love. Not enduring any more pain or any more death or any more pressure, more temptation, any more suffering. 
running with him in spirit and in truth. Lord Jesus, I am a sinner. My heart is impure. By my will, I fail constantly. But it is by your grace and your mercy and your love that I believe you died for me. And by God's power rose again. Create in me a clean heart, Jesus. Purify my mind. Give me a new perspective. Allow me to come to you instead of trying to run away. For the pain we feel in the place we run to is nothing compared to the joy we feel in running to you. I worship you, Father. Come and make a home within me. Come and breathe within me. Come and live within me. I worship you, Jesus. I accept you as my Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Whoever prayed that prayer just now, I believed and I know you are saved. Romans 10 verse 9 says, Those who confess with their mouth and believe in their hearts that Jesus died and is Lord and God's power rose from the dead, then they will be saved. John's 1 verse 9 says, Those who confess their sins, my Lord is just and faithful enough to forgive them and purify them from all unrighteousness. Shout for you are purified. Shout for you are made whole. Walk in his love, his daily love. Walk in his present presence, not worrying about tomorrow, but appreciating every moment of today. Rededicate yourself daily to him. And when you mess up, because you will mess up, run right back to him. When the enemy tries to speak to you, and when you fall into his trap, get back up and don't allow that to make you mess up the next time or not do the thing God has called you to do. Allow that to go make you reflect and go into deeper worship and deeper reverence of your soul with the Lord. Have fun in Him. Spend time with Him. Don't be ashamed of Him. And know that He is your God. Let the message of Christ so deeply fulfill your hearts. And may you sing psalms and hymns unto Him, glorifying Christ Jesus, glorifying the Father through Christ Jesus. Let everything you do and say reflect the integrity and seriousness of your teachings. In everything you do, be a representative of Jesus Christ, your Lord. Always be joyful. Pray continually. And be thankful in every circumstances. For it is God's will within your life that everything is going on. Take heart. For he has overcome the world. Do not be discouraged. For he has gone to create a place greater for you. Remember that he is your present help in the time of trouble. And when you feel like you're not doing his will, ask him, teach me to do your will, God. And may your gracious spirit lead me forward on firm footing. Taste and see that the Lord is good. And when you feel heavy burden, cast your cares upon him and he will sustain you for he will not let the righteous be shaken. 
Come to him in deep reverence and worship him in spirit and in truth, offering your body as a living sacrifice, for that is the one true worship. That is an everyday worship, not being conformed to things of this world, but being transformed by the renewal of your mind and heart. For it is not by us, but it is by the favor and the grace of God working through us that he is doing in a marvelous thing. And it's by the love of God that he sent his son to die in us so we not perish but have everlasting life. So his grace and his blood could make us whole. So don't boast in your salvation because you don't deserve it, but it's a gift. But boast in your weakness for that is where his power is made perfect. And know that it's not about denomination or when you go to church or this. For every day is church because the spirit of the Lord lives within you. So do everything as unto the Lord, not unto serving human masters, but unto the Lord. For the Lord is eternal. The Lord is righteous. The Lord is almighty. And remember that even when you're unfaithful, that the Lord nailed your shame and guilt to the cross so that you won't carry it after you sin. But now instead of carrying shame and guilt, you could carry the blood of Christ and know that you are forgiven and you can live and what? Live and learn. And when you live and learn, you can learn how to love more. Love. I want you to love, Jesus says. Love others deeply. For love covers a multitude of sins. Love your neighbors as I have, as you love yourselves. Love one another as I have loved you. Love those who curse you. Love those who hate you. Love, love is patient and kind. Love does not demand its own way. Love is not irritable. Love, love, love does not rejoice when justice wins, when injustice wins out, but when justice is brought forth. Love is always hopeful, always endures, always is faithful. It's by the love of Christ. It's by the love of the Father that he gave his son to die for us. Love nailed himself to the cross so that we may live again. That is love. And with love comes the fruits of the Spirit. Love, patience, peace, faith, goodness, self-control, faithfulness, and gentleness. Patience, forgiveness. Someone does wrong by you, forgive them 70 times, 70 times. For your Christ Jesus has forgiven you. And you are made whole. May the Lord continue to shine his face upon you and give you peace. May he bless you and keep you. May everything you touch and speak this week be blessed. And remember your worth. Don't go seeking validation from others or trying to impress. But in everything you do, be humble and have a Christ-led mindset, Philippians 2 says. That he already sees you as worthy. So you don't need other people to justify you as worthy. Remember that you are his royal priesthood. You are his precious prize. You are the apple of his eye. For you are his servant and he will not throw you away. And he's saying, for I am with you. Why are you afraid? I am your God. I'll uphold you. I will renew those strength who trust in me. I will keep in perfect peace who trust in me. If you're having trouble, trust. Ask him, Lord, give me a heart that trusts. In you more. Purify me. Work through me. And he is willing to do it once you have a desire to be transformed. So don't let your desires be conformed to this world. For you are made new with Christ Jesus. But ask and pray for spiritual desires. 
so that you be made filled, be, be filled and restored with the joy of his salvation. For this is not our home, but we have a home in heaven with Christ Jesus, who sits up high, looks down low, and is smiling at you. And as there's eight more seconds to this podcast, I want you to know that God loves you and he will never fail you. Have a good one.